Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to our episode today. Thanks for listening. We are today going to be talking about decluttering your toys. Last week we talked about the psychology of play, open-ended, closed-ended toys. So if you haven't listened to that, that might be a good one to go back and listen to. And today we want to explore why we need to declutter and how we can get our kids on board with that. And then next week we might look into uh, some other things around toys and organising. Yeah, there's so much to talk about when it comes to decluttering toys. So, yeah, we'll be we'll be here for a little while. Yeah, and last week we really discussed the benefits of play and the fact that more toys very rarely equals more play. So if you have kind of keyed into that message and thought, yes, you know, we need to let go, then uh, get ready to take mm. some notes or uh, turn up the volume so you can figure out a, a good way or get some tips out of this, how to declutter some of the toys in your house. Yep. So, yeah, we our stance um, is basically that less is less is better and um, less is actually better for everyone not just parent not just the kids but the parents as well because it the less toys there are the less toys there are to clean up find space for and all that kind of stuff so it really does reduce the workload and the stress levels of parents to have less toys as well so we're going to talk about like the decluttering toys actually is really quite big there's all aspects of the the psychology of it you know when you've got objections that come up around the decluttering because it's not as easy as just throwing it all half of it out it it's just not that easy at all and in fact we would say do not just throw half of the toys out um listen to this podcast this episode first because it will explain how why you you don't want to throw all of them out but um, it is so it's a bit complicated and there's some complexities in there. There are personalities, there are personality differences, there are family dynamics, uh, there are space issues. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes into the actual decluttering process. So it's not just a matter of going in with a garbage bag. Uh, there needs to be a bit of thought put into it and it needs to be customised or I guess or individualised depending on your child. Yeah, and everyone's just groaning now going, oh, I thought I could just go in with a bag and chuck them out because how many times have you felt like that? Like, that's it. I've stepped on yeah. this toy for the last time. It's going. I'm just chucking them out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the easiest way from a time perspective and an effort perspective, but that's the only benefit to it. There are so many disadvantages to doing that yeah. um, that it's sort of, yeah. Um, maybe we should talk about that first. Yeah, about why you don't actually just go and throw them Okay, all yeah, away. let's start there. Okay, so the first thing is I, I always advocate decluttering with toys and I actually, sorry, I always advocate decluttering with children, yes. <laughs> not with toys, obviously decluttering toys with children. So I'll get my tongue untangled. I was on Instagram yesterday and I noticed that um, an organiser that I followed had done a declutter of her children's bedrooms and they were four and ten or something like that. I can't remember, but they were older. And she decluttered their toys without them. She made the decisions about what was staying and going. And I didn't comment because if I commented, I would have gotten in trouble <laughs> because I probably <laughs> would have told her off. <laughs> and it's none of my business. But I just thought it just it just highlighted to me 
the fact that a lot of people do declutter without their children. And I think personally, I think, and professionally, I think it's a bad idea. And I think you're with me on that, Tara. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? It's it's that thing of um, when you're really busy, I like I always relate it back to work. I remember being in a, um, a job and I had a personal assistant and she was not the greatest. She was learning. But there were so many jobs that I was like, oh, I should just give this to her. This is what she's there for. And then I was not happy with the job she'd do or I was like, I, I don't have an hour now to teach her. It'll take me 10 mm. minutes to do it myself. I'll just do it myself. And I would do it. And then a week later that task comes up again. And I think I don't have the time. I'll just do it myself. And for a year I just did the ch- task myself. If I would have just taken an hour to teach her now, the time I would have mm. saved for the rest of the year would have been huge. And it's that, I feel like it's the same principle with teaching Mm. kids to declutter. Like you think, oh, in half an hour, if I was on my own and the kids were at school, I could get it done. When I have the kids at home, we might get rid of two things. But it's that short-term pain for long-term gain. When you teach the kids about letting go and you teach them about decluttering and teach them how to look at their items in a different way, you're giving them a life skill and, yes, it's like it's like teaching your kids to tie their shoelaces. It sucks. But <laughs> once they've got it yeah. and it becomes a habit for them, you know, it will save you the pain for yeah. years and years and years down the track. Yeah, and they're not going to look stupid when they're 22 and they come over and say, Mum, can you do up my shoelace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, they're still wearing Velcro. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, Velcro is great for that. So, and it's not, and it's there's the time that time saving one as well. But there's also a lot of the psychology, and there's a lot of your kids' emotions that are involved in this. And there are some children that are not attached to anything; they just can take it or leave it, and it it doesn't bother them at all. If all their stuff just disappeared one day, they'd be like, "Yeah, whatever." So, there are some kids that are like that. But most kids will have some things that they're attached to for some reason in some way. And some children will be really attached to a high volume of the belongings and some will be just attached to some. If if you imagined that somebody came into your house and made some decisions about your things that you use in your own way or that you have your own stories about and your own attachment to and they decided that some of those weren't useful or attractive enough or they were too loud or they were ugly and they didn't match the house and they decided that they could go. You would feel quite violated. You would be upset at the loss of the things that you were attached to and you would also never trust that person in your house again. And I think that we really have to be careful that our children can trust us. Mm-hmm. And if you if we take away their things without considering them, then we lose that trust. And you, they will they will either not trust you in all sorts of different ways. But another side effect is that if people can come and take their things without their permission, that can actually increase attachment. And so you can then have even more difficulty later on with them, even hanging on to more things and finding them difficult to let go because they've had that, they've experienced that loss. So they hold on a bit tighter. So there's quite a few reasons. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff around control. And, mm. you know, with there's they advocate in schools now and they're te- teaching all the kids about, you know, um, 
being in control of their own bodies yep. and that kind of thing and to, you know, prevent assaults and prevent bullying and prevent, you know, all that kind of stuff happening, you know, that I'm, you know, I'm my own master, I'm in control of my body. And if I said, but so we're empowering these kids in these ways, but then if they come home and find some of their things, their pet rock, which they might've made the story up in their head and not told you about, but you've just seen a rock on the floor and thought, yep, that can go in the garden. Those kind of things, you're, you're kind of giving them a, a completely opposite message saying, yeah, you, you might be in control some ways, but in other ways you have no control, in which case they grab all of their possessions and hold them even closer and even tighter because they get worried about losing control of those things mm. and, you know, that things can be taken from them without their consultation. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough one. And I think you and I probably have both seen clients who have had this happen to them in some form or another as children, which then... definitely start holding on to lots of things because yep. they've had not had that control as children when they get a house of their own or a place of their own they you know consciously or subconsciously make a decision to hold on to everything mm. because they can yeah i've had several people say to me i was never allowed to have things when i was a child i was never allowed to make my own decisions about what i had my things were thrown away without my consultation or some were like we moved we moved from the UK when I was three and I could bring one toy and I lost everything else and that obviously is a different scenario but still that loss has then caused them to fill their house to the brim and you Mm -hmm. know I have one client who who was living in a space and and she still has most of her possessions but we've moved them to a storage unit because thankfully she can afford that but she's very attached to her belongings and she talks a lot about and and if I go back another step her house is so full that she had just the trails going through we've cleared loads of it out now and she's nice and safe in there but a lot of her attachment was around the fact that she was never allowed to have her own things and her parents made every decision for her for her entire life. She never moved out of mm. home. She never married. She was never independent. And so for her, that loss of control makes her um, purchase compulsively and and hoard compulsively. Uh, and she, she attributes it, you know, in the discussions that we've had, and she does attribute a lot of that to not having any control. Uh, as a child and then as a young adult. Yeah, well, I think I think we've made it pretty clear that we need to get our kids on board. Do you think there's a, a specific age where that becomes easier or, you know, when, when did you start it with your kids, Beck? Um, I, I usually sit around the, the two mark, age two. So mm-hmm. between two and four, it's blurry. It depends on the, the child. But a younger than two, you, you're probably not going to hurt them if you make the decisions for them. But again, I think that you sh- you can make the decision based on your own child. So um, you might have an eighteen month old that you you suspect has attachment to things you don't know about. But for most, for the most part, when they're under two, generally the things they're attached to, you know very well what they are. They're the things that they sleep with. They're the things that they carry around with them for a week. They're the kinds of things that they've always got in their hand, and so. You're going to be pretty clued up with what can go and what can stay for for those little ones. It's as they get a bit older where they've got their own little stories and things like that about things that you might not know about that it becomes trickier. So, yeah, I'd sort of say younger than two is pretty safe to, to for you to make the decisions and then over that use your discretion up until about four and then over four I would say definitely involve the child. Would that 
What do you think? Yeah, I would I would completely agree. And I think what really changes as they get older is the language that you use to talk about decluttering. Like, you know, the younger they are, it might be like, are we, let you know, let's pick out the ones we really love and the other ones we might say goodbye to. You know, mm. you know, we use really simple language like that. Um, as they get a bit older, it might be about um, letting things go. I remember talking to my kids about children when they when it was a I thought it was age appropriate for them talking about children that didn't have much mm. and I'm like there are there are children that you know don't have any Barbie dolls and we have all of these Barbie dolls do you think maybe we could let go of a couple so so, so some other children with no Barbie dolls might have some you know and so put it in a language that works for them that they can identify with mm. you know you don't have to at age five go straight to you know there are children in our suburb that sleep in their car and have nothing mm. and that, you know, like you don't want to traumatise your children because mm. you don't want them to feel that that this is a scenario that they're heading towards. But, you know, find something that works works for them. Um, and as they get older, you know, now my almost 11-year-old, I will talk to her about having space to, to concentrate and, you know, air in her room. And I'm like, when you have a mm. lot of stuff around you, that can become overwhelming and distracting. And so, you know, I want you to keep the things you love, but we don't need everything out. Yep. And, you know, if there's stuff that you don't love, there's probably someone out there that can get better value from this than you are, you know. And so now she's got that maturity and I guess a history of decluttering behind her that your your language can change and mm. the discussion can change around it. Yeah. I've also used the language of respect for belongings mm-hmm. with as my kids have gotten older and um I you know Ethan doesn't like tidying his room he kind of likes living in a mess and Zoe doesn't she sort of will regularly clean up um she's a bit similar to me it'll build up it'll build up over a few days or a week and then she'll just go oh my god I've had enough and then she'll tidy up Ethan doesn't it's Ethan that's a build up until one of the parents says oh my god can you just tidy up <laughs> and then he does mm-hmm. but he I've sort of said to him a few times that one of the reasons he needs to make sure he declutters is so that he can put things away and the reasons why we want him to put things away is so that he's respecting his belongings and he doesn't have laptops on the floor and headphones hanging from somewhere with by the cord and, you know, little things like that where, you know, this can get stood on, mate, and it'll get broken and then we're not replacing it because it's a $600 camera and you'll just be, have no camera then. And, so we've used, I've used that, you know, if you have respect for your belongings, then you're going to treat them properly and to treat them properly, they need to have proper homes. In order for them to have proper homes, you need to have the space, which means other things need to leave. So there's that progression there as well that I've, you know, talked about as they've gotten into their teen years. And, yeah, like you said, that having, as they get older, having some space and I've also taught them as well or, or as they've become teenagers, I've got them to start thinking about their adult lives you, know, you need mm-hmm. to learn how to one day you're going to have a whole house full of stuff and you're going to need to learn how to declutter and organize so that you don't end up drowning in it all and it's going to be overwhelming for you having a house full of stuff if you haven't learned how to do your bedroom and um, and those kinds of areas as well so it's that it's a skill-based thing and so they kind of roll their eyes it's like oh yeah mum's lecturing us about learning again but <laughs> it, it's sort of you know I always tell them it's a life skill and so they need to practice it yeah I think as well you need to look for teaching opportunities even from a really young age so when your child comes in and says I can't find 
my ball or I can't find my, you know, the red matchbox car, the one with the stripe on it, I can't find it. Instead of going, oh, okay, where is it, where is it, and helping them look, go, well, okay, the reason you can't find it is because either we have too many things or because you, we that matchbox car doesn't have a home and so we need to figure out a home for it. Or, you know, like let your kids lose things. Don't find it for them mm. because it's all those tiny little um, seeds that you plant about if if this has a home or if we look after our things or if we put them back after we're finished with them, we'll be able to find them. Like let your kids fail occasionally. Mm. You know, I've done it with my daughter with dance shoes and stuff. When the failure, you know, when there wasn't big consequences, if she can't find her dance shoes because she's got home from dance last time and flung them somewhere in the corner of a room and now they're covered by paper and textures and a jacket that she's thrown on the floor as well if it means she's going to dance without her dance shoes it's not you know I wouldn't let her if it was a competition I would go Mm. in there and help her find them but if it's just practice and she's just going to be a bit embarrassed because she can't find her shoes that's all on her and I'm quite happy Mm. to let her fail in that scenario um, because it teaches her that next time once she uncovers where her dance shoes are (laughs) that she needs to put them back in the cupboard or back in her dance bag where they belong Mm. and you know usually it happens once and they learn enough, they get embarrassed enough by the consequence or the outcome that it stays with them. So you've got to kind of look hard for those teaching opportunities when it comes to kids and stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I always say that as well. Every time someone can't find something, they know the response from me is, you know, did you put it away? Does it have a home? And then if they've said, you know, yes, it has a home, no, it's not in it, um, you know, and depending on the situation, I'll either help them or I'll just shrug and say, good luck. Um, mm. If I see it, I'll let you know. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's something that I've, I've had a lot of clients who spend a lot of time looking for their kids' stuff for them. And I just say that has to stop. Like you have, you don't have time for that. You know, it's you're the one, you're doing a whole lot of work and if you're, if you're to asking them, to put things in their homes and then they're not and then they're losing things and then you're looking for them, then you're not teaching them to to put things in their homes. It's just you're just, you know, repeating the cycle. And I said it has to stop. You just have to say no. I'm, you know, if you can't find it, then that's your problem. And the same with mm-hmm. husbands. <laughs> I had a few women who have said, you know, can you can you also help me with her husband? And I'm like, just stop looking for things for him. Just yep, let them let them be late because they yeah. can't find their keys. Because guaranteed, them being late will be a smack in the face enough, <laughs> so that when they come home with their keys, they should put them in a good place where they'll remember to find them. You yeah. know, like yeah. When- and I mean, help them if it's your fault. You know, like yep. Yeah, I mean, if I've if I've put something down of mix that he then needs, I'm going to go looking for it. But if it's if it's his thing, you know, no. He doesn't lose things. I don't have that experience, but with the children I do. As as long as the consequence is survivable for everyone, Mm. let it happen because, yeah, we learn so much more when we fail than when we succeed. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. As long as we, and Mm. we also might need to explain it to the kids. (laughs) This is why you were late to dance class. (laughs) Yep, because we'll go back in a few steps and remember when you put your shoes away or you dumped your shoes, that is why we're late. We're not late because I wouldn't mm. help you find them. We're late because you dumped them in the first place. Um, yeah. So that's sort of, yeah, a good learning opportunity. All right. Right. So we How should get we into it, it shouldn't yeah. we? How? Where would you start, Beck? Okay. What do you think about timing? How much? How much time or how do we... 
Do we do it all at once? Uh, well, you can. Yeah. I guess there's all those different ways, isn't there? So there is the there is a there's one really quick approach, um, which is kind of a bit of a half a process. Um, and I talked about it recently on my Facebook page because I did it with a client. I had a client who was she's just so busy, and she's as far as her mental health goes, she's on the edge. You know, she's really struggling, and her kids, you know, four kids, and none of them ever put away their toys they always just drop them on the floor and so we worked quite hard on um, working out some routines for the kids and I'd visited a couple of times and one time I went there and I walked in and there was just everything all over the floor clothes and shoes food all over the floor right through the house and I said are the kids doing the things that they have to do and she said no they just ignore me and I said right that's it. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get some boxes. We're going to box up 80% of their toys and we're putting it in the garage. And she just looked at me and she's like, yes, 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 let's do it. And she was scared, but she's like, yes, do it. And so we boxed up all of their toys and put them in the garage. And we kept, she, she chose some favorites, a uh, selection of favorites for them to keep in their rooms and in the sort of play area. And the rest went in boxes in the shed. And she was scared. She thought that the kids would really react negatively. She was she she wanted to do it, but she was a little bit worried. And she texted me that night and said the kids didn't even care. They didn't care. And I said, right, well, that's awesome because it means that you can actually put more away now and you can keep going. And since then, her eldest, both the eldest three really, they have all maintained their bedrooms quite well. And the eldest actually asked, she got rid of more stuff. So she um, decluttered some stuff to the shed, but she also decluttered stuff right out of the house altogether. So they sold a few of her big toys. And she asked if she could have um, some redecoration because she wanted to have a little bit more of a grown up bedroom. And so her bedroom is looking amazing and it's actually worked really well for them. She's still going to have to go through all the toys in the shed at one stage and declutter them, but it was a really good, quick, method of getting the bulk of the toys out of the main part of the house so that the kids had room and time to learn the new habits with less stuff because the habits were, you know, you've got to pick up your stuff and put it away before dinner or before bed uh, and there was also a pick up and put away in the morning if there was time. I didn't want to overload them too much in the morning. But if they had 300 things all over the floor, that was going to take a long time. If they had eight things on the floor, that wasn't going to take very long. So it's going to be easier for them to be able to learn that habit. And so that was a method that I used as a first step um, for a declutter and then the momentum is going to keep them going um, after that because they're actually learning their putting away habits. And I said to her as well to explain to the kids, this isn't a punishment. I'm actually helping you. I'm giving you a tool here. I'm making it easier for you to learn your new habits. And if you can then, if you then choose to bring some toys back in and you can keep them tidy with your new habits, then you can have them back in the house. Um, But until you can learn um, with these fewer toys, they're going to stay in the shed. Mm. All right, that's good. So that was a quick and dirty mm-hmm. sort of method. So you can do that one. I wouldn't recommend doing a big blitz like that and throwing them all out um, and taking them all to the salvos because that's a little bit too fast, I think, taking your time. Uh, and obviously she didn't involve the children, so she wasn't going to throw the things away without their permission. So uh, that was sort of yeah. if we, yeah, if you've got room in the shed to do that or you've got room somewhere to do that, then that can work just to get you over that hump of, you know, that, 
that overwhelm of there's just too much mm. and I'm just over it. And if you need a quick cleanup for another reason, like if you're having guests come and stay or you're having to move the kids' bedrooms around because you, your mother's moving back in while she builds a house um, so the kids have to share bedrooms for six months, you know, that kind of, you know, if you need a sort of a quick cleanup, that can work. Um, that method can work really well for a, a crisis clean. Um, yeah. But then it also helps them then learn the habits and the maintenance before anything comes back in the house as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... For most people that are just, uh, they're not in crisis mode, they're just feeling generally overwhelmed or, Mm. yeah, at wit's end with kids' toys. I guess I would say, like, it's really easy to watch decluttering shows on TV where people take a month off and go, right, (laughs) we're going to pull out every toy from every room of the house and pile it all on the front lawn and then we're going to have 20 people behind the scenes that you can't see. (laughs) Yeah. Sort these and clean these and repaint the room and then put them all back in their beautiful new homes. That's so not realistic. Mm. So I would always think, you know, for me, I don't know anyone that has bundles of time to spend on this. So break it into a zone. Maybe this weekend, maybe it's the the corner with the craft stuff. Maybe that's it. That's your target. So you go, right, kids, we're going to do half an hour this morning and half an hour this afternoon so that they don't get overwhelmed as well. Let's go through this. And you know, let's work out. So I think it's, you know, bringing it down to a manageable level and doing it in bite-sized chunks so that you don't get over it and chuck their stuff out without being considerate and that the kids don't feel too confronted or too overwhelmed with mm. the process either. So and, and make the rules really clear. Say, okay, so we're going to throw out anything that's old or broken that we are not prepared to fix Anything that we can't remember the last time we played with or used it, any duplicates, you know, like set out a couple of rules. And if you can write, if your kids are, you know, the right age, you could get them to write out the rules, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's broken, if it's a double, if we don't play with it anymore or we don't really love it, then it goes in the donate pile or it goes in the bin, you know, and write the rules, stick them on the wall and go, right, okay, we'll all have a go. Mm. You know, try and... Keep it simple for them. Yeah. Yeah. And breaking it up is a really good idea, you know, and you can just do one bookshelf at a time, uh, one, mm-hmm. one tub even. You can use the other decluttering techniques that we've talked about regularly as well, um, like the, the trash bag tango and the, the weeding and those kinds of things mm-hmm. to, you know, if you just, um, say to them, just pick out five books that you can donate to the library and we'll just do that this weekend and then next next weekend we'll do another five books or we'll do something else and so then you're just sort of weeding but you can apply a whole lot of different techniques uh, and as long as you're teaching the kids what those techniques are while you do them so that they can then use them themselves later on you need a, a goal in mind as well so you need to think about what is it that you want to achieve and do you want to have a home for every single toy? And do you want to reduce the volume of toys so that you don't, let's say, for example, the kids want separate bedrooms and they've got a current bedroom and a playroom at the moment. And so they want their own bedroom. So you're going to transfer, change the playroom into a bedroom. So in that case, you're going to have a vision in mind of how many toys are going to fit in each bedroom and where they're going to go. And so when you're decluttering as well, you have to be thinking about, you know, okay, we've got room for this much Lego, which means we need to get rid of this amount of it, or we've got room for one one tub of train tracks and that's the only room we've got because you don't have a whole playroom anymore you have a bed in this room and so we can only keep one tub of the tracks so 
you're thinking as well about what your end goal is. You know, do you want nothing on the floor and everything in containers? You know, all have all that in mind as well as you're going through it and talk to them about that as well. So if they are having trouble discarding something that you know they need to because it's not going to fit, you tell them, where's it going to fit? How are we going to put the, where are we going to put this and how is it going to work with the, the dynamic of the rest of the room and does it mean that if you do keep this that other things have to go and if that's the case what are they so all of those kinds of things will be coming into the discussion with them as well yeah and setting those natural limits like we we have this bookshelf with three shelves that is that is the maximum amount of books we can fit if they don't fit in here we have to get rid of them so if there are other ones that don't fit that we want to get in here then we have to take some out and when you make it about the limits or the boundaries you can kind of depersonalize it too it's not that mummy or daddy is saying you have to throw out books it's the bookshelf's fault this is the bookshelf we own we've Mm. decided that we want all our books to live in the bookshelf so we can always find them but this is the limit so the bookshelf is stating that this is as much as I can hold and we have to respect that so then you can kind of you know when they get all like mom you make me chuck my books out no no This Mm. is the size of the bookshelf we own and we have to work with that, you know, kind of like push it back, blame the bookshelf. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, you know, and that's the thing. When you set those natural limits, the kids will find it hard to argue with that because it won't argue back. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Oh, some kids are pretty good at it. You've got your little born lawyers who will say, you mm. know, can we get a new bookcase? Can yeah. can I put books in the under the bed? Can I do this? Can I do that? And you'll ha- you'll have to be prepared for those discussions. But the the natural boundaries are a really good way to explain to them why you're doing it and and how how you're doing it. And even when you're, you've got those natural boundaries and you've got all of the, the techniques and you've got all of the script in your mind and the stuff that you're going to tell your kids and talk to them about, you're going to have um, emotion involved. So that's another consideration. And like I was just saying about them arguing about the boundaries, they, they're going to have they're going to have opinions about what stays and what goes and you are going to have goals in mind and if you've if they're old enough you've discussed the goals with them and so it's important that they know what the goals are as well and one of the goals for say an, um, an older child might be a room redecoration like my client's daughter she sort of wanted a bit more of a grown-up room she was 11 and she was moving out of that that little kid stage and into a, the tweens and so that was a that was a goal so having the goals is is important for them to go back on because they're going to have feelings so being accepting of the fact that they're going to have attachment is going to help you be more understanding about the throughout the process they're going to have things that they're attached to that are inexplicable to you and some children are going to be attached to very high amount high volumes of their belongings and they are going to find the process difficult one thing i will tell you from experience is that children can definitely become used to doing this, even if they are distressed the first time you try. So my son is attached to um, his belongings more than my daughter is. And when we used to do his artwork and we would photograph it and then recycle it, he would find it very difficult. And there were tears and objections and tantrums. And um, and then the, the tears, they kind of, they break your heart a little bit and you think, oh, they're struggling. I'll just let them I'll just let them keep everything because I don't want them to be in pain. But them going through that struggling process and having that feeling of um, grief means that their brain is learning about the consequences of letting go. And if the child never lets go of something, they never learn 
how the feeling feels like in two weeks or a month or six months or a year's time. They just feel like it's always going to hurt. And it's only that practice of sitting there, you know, and crying because they've got 10 soft toys and there's only room for eight and they have to part with two of them. They never learn that in six months' time, letting go of those two toys doesn't hurt them anymore. And so that learning means that in in a year's time when they have to let go of something else, their brain is a bit more used to it. They know it's not going to hurt forever um, and they don't have that same quite a similar reaction. And so, you know, Ethan used to cry every time we decluttered his artwork uh, and it happened, you know, three or four times there were there were tears and then they stopped and he, he could do it easily and he still can do it easily now. And he did a piece of art the other day and kind of waved it at me and said, do you want this? I might just throw it out. And I've said, no, that's really good. Why don't you put it in your folio? And he went, eh, maybe. You know, he just didn't, it wasn't as attached anymore. And he knew that there was more art coming and that it wasn't going to hurt him forever if he did part with it because he'd practiced all of that when he was little. Does that make sense? Yeah, perfect. And, and I think, yeah, you have to just go gently with them. If you've got a child that's really attached, recognize the feelings. Don't don't try and be dismissive of them, but also then, you know, maybe you say, "Oh, look, okay, you know, I know this is hard. How about today we just pick two things that you can let go?" And it might be like a broken plastic ring and a bracelet. Like I remember my kids, you know, going, "Here you go. This is what I've decluttered." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? You don't even <laughs> You're like, this is broken and this thing you've never even used. But you know what? Then you sing and you dance and you yeah. like, well done, that is so great, you know, blah, blah, blah. Try and get that. You know, we all know as adults the feeling, that little surge of endorphins we get when we let something go and we feel a bit lighter and a bit freer. You kind of have to teach your kids to feel that as well. Mm. So if they let go of something and they're praised for it, that's great. And you know what? Next weekend you can build on it and say, okay, what if we find three things this weekend and whatever. Mm. And once it's like a, that muscle that we always talk about, once they learn about letting go and learning about surviving the letting go process, um, they will build on it. So don't don't push them if they're really struggling. Um, try and start really small, you know, and then yeah. and then just build on it. But you're you're this is a long game, people. This yeah. is not just this weekend the toy room will be decluttered. If you're teaching your kids the right way to do it and the skill for life, it's all about, you know, being in for the for the long haul. Yeah. I so agree. I think some of the some of the ways that you can get your kids to really buy in, and again, this is age appropriate. Um, one of the things that I always advocate is finding their currency. So my kids are at different stages, but they're both currently money driven. <laughs> they both want <laughs> cash because they they're both saving up for, you know, different items. But the, we've said that, you know, we might contribute a bit, but they need to save up the money for it. So it's all about cash. So for them right now, if um, something that they, things like um, they got, one of them got a birthday present recently that she knew she wasn't going to use, I knew she wasn't going to use, came from a distant relative that wouldn't probably have understood the age she's at and that she's not into that kind of thing. And I just... Said to, I knew that this would just end up going into a room somewhere and cluttering up a drawer. And I said to her, okay, I'll buy that off you for $5 <laughs> to go in my present cupboard and then ah, I'll re-gift it to someone or I'll idea. put it in the charity box. But mm-hmm. I was like, either this is clutter or she's going to make some cash out of it. She was like, yeah, I'll take the cash. <laughs> and 
And it's that same thing. And when we lived in the UK, there was a consignment store um, right near where we lived. So I would say to the kids, if they were saving up for something, I'd be like, well, if you pick a couple of your toys, we can put them in consignment store and whatever you make on them, then that's more money to go towards a new thing you want. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. So they were quite happy when there was they were getting something out of it. And like I've confessed to a lot of times, I'm quite happy to bribe my kids <laughs> if it if it works. But so maybe, you know, for me at the moment, cash is their currency. But for other kids, it might be a trip to the zoo. And it might be like, look, if we can, you know, trim this corner of the playroom down so that there's only two baskets here and all the toys fit in these two baskets, then let's go spend the day at the zoo next weekend. You know, maybe that's what they're after. Maybe it's after you know, they, they want a lollipop and like, yep, mm. nutritionists don't get on my case. But you know what I mean? If, <laughs> yeah. if it's like I will trade you a lollipop for three toys that you don't really love or don't play with anymore, then then go for it. Do it, you know, reward them in whatever way they will feel rewarded, I yeah. guess. And a lot of kids really just value time with us. You know, we, we tend to unfortunately not have an, as much time to spend with our kids as we would like. And I had one client once that we did her toy room and she had a couple at school but she had a a little toddler as well and she said to me a few days later that after we finished doing the toy room and she could get in there and there was space and you know most of the stuff had gone she said she sat down on the floor with the toddler and just played with her one-on-one for two hours or something like that and she said, I'd never done that before. She had never sat down and played just one-on-one with the toddler because there was just so much to do and there was so much mess and she could never get that clarity of thought. And so that's another thing that that the children can be rewarded with is a play session. You know, if we can clear this space so that we can get the train set set up, then, you know, we can have a really great session on Saturday setting up the train set or, you know, you and you and dad can can do this puzzle or you and I can um, set up set up this thing the way you want or we can have a special board game day or, you know, whatever it is that, that can help as well because actually when we declutter the toys as parents, we are being rewarded as well. And that reward is more space and more time, which you can then flow onto the kids. Well said. And I think you can involve your kids in the process of what happens to their toys after they leave the house as well. Um, you can They can take them to the charity shop with you and see the other toys that are in there. You can, if you gift them or offer them to other friends or family that might have uh, younger kids or kids that might benefit from some of the toys, um, they can go over and drop them over, see them go to their new home. Sometimes for kids that can kind of help give them a bit of closure, I guess, around where their toy ends Mm. up, especially with um, movies like Toy Story. If your kids have got a great imagination and think about their their belongings having um, a personality or a persona that exists, um, if they know what the life might look like for that toy, beyond your house sometimes that can help them move through it quicker as well yeah definitely so what would you use as triggers then Beck, to um work out that it's time to declutter when there's stuff that you can't fit in a home as soon as you open a drawer or try and find something on the floor and go to put it away and there's no space for it that that is definitely a, a, a trigger to declutter but initially if you haven't decluttered for a long time uh, it's that feeling of being overwhelmed if you're overwhelmed um then your kids probably overwhelmed um but even if they're not if you are then you need to do something about it because your mental health 
filters down. And so if you're overwhelmed, then your behaviours are going to affect the kids because, you know, you're not going to have time, you're going to be tired, you know, all that kind of stuff, you'd be stressed. And so whenever you're feeling overwhelmed by the volume of the toys, when another trigger, like like the client I was talking about before, is when the kids don't pick up after themselves. So if they're not picking up after themselves, what's the reason for that? Is that because they don't know where to put things? Is it because there's no space to put things? Is it because they're, they're too, they they too are overwhelmed by the volume and just don't know where to start. And so anytime that's happening as well, if things aren't getting picked up and put away, then that's always a good trigger as well. I think if you've got a child that sits down in their playroom or in their play space and says, I'm bored or I've got nothing to play <laughs> yeah. with, I think it's it's so similar to when we stand in front of our wardrobes and go, I've got nothing to wear. Yeah, you know, like I've definitely. got a wardrobe full of clothes, I've got nothing to wear because I can't see the possibilities here because there's too much to look at. Mm. So I think sometimes as well that can be a really clear indication that your child, they might not have the language to say I'm overwhelmed and I can't choose. For them it will be I'm bored or I've got nothing to play with, in which case it's like, okay, we need to slim this down so that they can see the possibilities here. Yeah, yeah, and they've got space, you know, to, to, to move and, and spread out and, and explore. So Laura, who is a member of our Facebook community, has asked us a specific question. She says, how do I encourage my kids to let go of things that they've grown out of? So we've talked a little bit around, you know, getting them involved in the process and, you know, maybe a buyback scheme mm-hmm. or donating them to charity, things like that. Another method I was thinking of for specific for Laura, um, but anyone can apply this, is depending on your age of your kids, you could talk to them about a, a hall of fame for toys. If the kids are into sports or movies, you can relate it to a sporting hall of fame or Mm. um, the Hollywood walk of fame where they've got all the stars on the sidewalk. Like you could say to them, you know, say your, your son's really into cricket, you know, there's a cricketing hall of fame. If they put every player that ever played state or national cricket for Australia in that hall of fame, it wouldn't really be special. The reason it's a Hall of Fame is because you have the best of the best there and that's what we should do with our toys. Rather than keeping every toy that's ever come into this house, let's make a Hall of Fame and keep the best of the best, the ones that are really great that we really love and the ones that we want to hang on to for future. So, um, you know, if you don't play with this anymore but you might want to keep it to to look back at one day, then keep the, the best toy from that era or that age or the best car out of the big box of cars to hold on to for memory's sake rather than keeping all of the cars. Yeah, I love that idea. Like we did that with uh, Ethan and his soft toys because he was very attached to his soft toys. So he did uh, an all-Australian team because he's an AFL kid. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he did like these are my all-Australians. And um, so that worked quite well. And he did. He still didn't cull all the ones that didn't make the team, but he culled some of the ones that made the team. And the ones that didn't make the team got put in a further away storage than the ones that did. <laughs> So it still yeah, right. it still worked a little bit, yep. and um and he and at least the ones that didn't make the team are separate from the ones that did. So if he does want to declutter at some point, if we run out of space in his room, um, which isn't happening because you know as they get through their teen years, well, mine especially are collecting a lot less stuff, which is helpful. But if we do want to declutter, then that's the tub we'll go to first because we know they didn't make the the all Australian team, and so they're first on the chopping block. Yeah, I think as well, if you 
if your kids have grown out of the toy and you can see that, they can probably feel that as well. If they're still reluctant to let go of it, ask them why they want to keep it. If they don't play with it anymore, why do you want to keep this? It might be, and you might need to prompt them because they might not have the language around it, but maybe they're worried about forgetting about that toy. And if you think that's a concern, then talk to them about other ways you could do that. You could take a photo of the toy. You could take a photo of them holding the toy. And if they feel sad about parting with the toy, talk to them about, you know, but this toy sits in our house and no one plays with it, where if we give it away, it'll have a whole new life and some other child will get it out every day because it'll be really special. You know, if you if they want, you want to relate the Toy Story message about mm. the, the toys on the top shelf that never get played with. You can if also... they've got favourites, oh, no, sorry, you go. Yeah, I was just going to say before we, before we go on to favourites, you could also take a, a video of them telling the story about that toy or talking mm. about the, the a, a memory that they have associated with that toy. And then when they finish decluttering, you can make a little movie reel of them with their little past toys that they're saying goodbye to and uh, they can get to watch themselves because what child doesn't like watching themselves? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, if you ask them what their favourites are, especially, you know, Laura's asked specifically about, you know, letting kids or letting things go that the kids have grown out of if if you say well you know pick your favorite so I can't pick they're all my favorites maybe relate it to them in a way if there's an emergency and we had to leave the house and you've got I'm going to give you 10 seconds to run in your room and grab like a couple of toys whatever you can take in in 10 seconds which ones would they go for and you can role play this scenario like don't make it stressful don't mm-hmm. tell you like the house is burning <laughs> down around you run you know like keep it calm yeah. um but it more it almost forces them to you know react instinctively rather than like letting their heart and head fight it out about mm. oh but I used to love that you know like if you know you say right I'm going to time you you got 10 seconds grab your best toys the ones that you would grab if we had to race out the house in an emergency and that makes it can sometimes make it really clear for them about what they really love Mm -hmm. and then you can have a discussion about the stuff that remained and you can say okay so why did you look at this one why didn't you grab it oh because it's you know maybe it's not that special okay great well maybe that's something that we could start working towards letting go of you know Mm. that kind of thing and you can use other similar scenarios as well with the the role playing or or the sort of the genre based thinking is you could say all right if you were going to have a party and you could only invite as many toys as would fit in this box which ones would you invite so you can also mm-hmm. get them to think about things from that perspective as well and and categorize them you know one of the categories that i use with some clients is friends acquaintances and enemies and you probably wouldn't do that with a child but it's just an example of the ways that you can prioritise in ways that are different to what you might do yourself, You're sort of thinking outside the square a little bit. Think about ways that they prioritise other things and then apply that to the toys to help them prioritise their toys. You could also talk to them, and this is probably as they get a bit older as well, about the future of holding on to toys that they, they no longer play with or that they've grown out of. You can relate it to the fact that if you have no room left because you're holding on to all of your old toys, there, you know, there's no space to buy any new ones. Mm. So when you're 13 and want a new bike, but we can't, you know, fit a bike in the garage because you won't let go of the sand table that you used to play with when you were three or the trike or whatever, then you're, you know, 
we won't be able to buy you a bike because you're holding on to old stuff, you know. So try and talk to them about, you know, the the space as well and about making room for new things. And and you can relate it to clothes as well. Um, you know, we grow out of our clothes, you know, because kids are always growing out. And they have that same struggle with a T-shirt that they used to love that no longer fits them. And you can say to them, it doesn't mean that we didn't love it or that we won't miss it. We will love, we will always love that T-shirt. We'll always miss that T-shirt. It just means that it doesn't fit us anymore. And so we have to go and, and you know, move on and get the new thing. And toys are the same. You can say, it's like the T-shirt that didn't fit. This toy doesn't really fit us anymore because we don't play with that or we don't play like that anymore. Now we play with these kind of things. So maybe it's time to, to move on. So hmm, that's a good analogy as well. Like we said before, talking to kids about where their toys go beyond them can be really helpful as well. Mm. So if you take your kid to a doctor's surgery and they sit there and there's like two boring toys there, you could say, oh, what we could do with a couple of the toys that we don't really play with much at home. Maybe we could ask the doctor's clinic if they would like them and they could put them in here so when we come back, you know, there's more variety. And then all the other kids that would get to come in the doctor's clinic would get to play with them as well, or books or things like that. Clinics, dentists, daycare centers, that kind of thing. If you kind of keep an eye out for where toys are or where toys are missing and talk to your kids about, uh, you know, they could really use, use some new toys at the play group. Why don't we let them have some of our old stuff that we don't play with much? And then you might still see it occasionally mm. and get to play with it when you're at play group, but it doesn't have to live in our home anymore. Mm. Toy libraries as well. Yeah, absolutely. Did you say toy libraries? And or? No, I didn't say toy libraries. I don't know if I did. I wasn't sure if I just faked out and <laughs> hadn't listened to you properly <laughs> or you'd actually said it. Sorry. No. Um, grandparents as well. I mean, usually grandparents have enough toys at their house mm. because they will buy uh, their own stash. But some grandparents might not or you might help the grandparents declutter what they've got. And then a couple of the kids' favourite things that they would still like to hold on to but they don't play with a lot could maybe go and live at a grandparent's house so that mm. they've got something different that's there that's special that they only play, play with when they're there. Yep. I'm sure all the grandparents are cursing you right now for suggesting yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, like, my kids, one for their grandparents, because she lives away, they tend to she, um, take things up there. But um, the local grandparents who used to have them regularly um, a day a week when they were little, they had their own stash at their place. And it was only about three or four years ago that they decided to declutter some of those. And so the kids went through them all and they're like, oh, this I remember this and so they decluttered some of the toys but I think that granny did still keep a few just for herself just for memories for herself yeah yeah and look I guess to round out Laura's question about things that they've grown out out of and why they're holding on to them if you talk to them if they're old enough and you can say look if I had you know if mummy had held on to all of her toys when she was a child and if daddy had held on to all of his toys, imagine how full our house would be. And then who would play with them? Would you want to, you know, you might want to have a look at one of mummy's old toys, but would you want to play with all my old stuff or would you want your own things? Oh, we'd want our own thing. Okay, so now that you've grown out of your some of your things, who are you holding on to them for? Because when by the time your kids come along, mm. they won't want to play with your old toys. They'll want their own. So you might want to keep a couple of things that you can show them, but you don't need to keep everything. I know my kids wouldn't be 
I think I kept my cabbage patch doll. That was the one thing that I was really <laughs> desperate to keep and that now has pride of place in one of my daughter's bedrooms. Not that she really played with it but she just liked that it was yeah. ancient even though <laughs> she still looks beautiful. I actually, I, uh, I think that Zoe got her own cabbage patch doll. Yes, yeah, she did. I'm trying to remember now, but she wasn't. She was never interested in dolls, and so I was the one that forced dolls on her because I loved my Cabbage Patch doll. What was it, Sadie Marilyn? She was mm-hmm. a premier. She had no hair, and I loved her. And so, and I think I've still got her. I've got a bag of a couple of old toys of mine up in the cupboard. I clearly never open it because I don't remember what's in there. But I think Sadie Marilyn survived. And I did get Zoe a Cabbage Patch doll and she wore a couple of of Sadie's outfits, but Zoe was never interested in dolls. And so she still has that, but it's up on the shelf sort of on display, not, not really played with. And I think it's been kept more for me than anything else. I remember having a garage sale when I was like my, with a friend that lived across the road and we were, I don't know what we were, saving up for but clearly there was something and so we went through our parents houses we were decluttering for them we're like can we sell this can we sell this (laughs) and we had a garage that was very successful and I'd found a few of my Barbies and put them out there and someone came along and said have you got any more Barbies or any more accessories and I had held on to my favorites and the pink Corvette and a couple Mm -hmm. of one of the horses and a few of the things that I thought oh I might want them and they said we really want Barbies we're prepared to pay a lot and I was like Okay, how much? And they, they, I think they said, oh, you know, we'll give you fifty dollars for the lot. Oh. And at the time, that was like a lot of money yeah. when everything else was priced at twenty cents. <laughs> so I went in, I scooped up every Barbie thing I owned and put it in a bag and walked out. And I'm like, give me the cash. <laughs> and they took it all. And I didn't. It was so funny when the price was right. Yeah, I was so quick to You're give motivated. that stuff away because mm-hmm. I was like, fifty dollars was massive yeah and it's funny how that just cut through all the emotion so I guess it's kind of a sign that if you can get the price your kids right have caught kids, yeah I was gonna say your, the kids have clearly caught that from you <laughs> yeah I think it comes from the fact that I get really stingy and just don't buy them stuff, yeah so <laughs> they really want money <laughs> yeah they want well so my nine-year-old is she's saving for a laptop at the moment which I think is completely ludicrous I'm like what does a nine-year-old need a laptop for mm. but she wants one and I'm like okay that's cool then you save the money so she's working her tail off yeah and yeah. I'm like go for it because that's that's the thing I'm like I'm I'm not going to say no if, it, if you're buying it with your own money yeah well, that's um, it Zoe had to save up for her own iPad and mm-hmm. she got an iPad mini. She saved for ages and she shopped around and she researched and she got a good price and, and all of that. And and then she said to me a couple of weeks later that one of her friends had got an iPad for Christmas. And I sort of looked at her and I was waiting for the next sentence and she said, I'm going to enjoy mine more than she enjoys hers, I reckon. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yeah. You know, I thought I was waiting for the complaint of I had to save up for a year <laughs> to buy mine. But she sort of said, I'm going to enjoy mine more. And it was really cute the way she was only about, I think she was about that age, about nine or ten. And um, it was quite cool. She still yeah. has that iPad mini and um, it's like getting quite old now. Yeah, my 11-year-old saved up for her iPad mm. and she really looks after it. Like it, she never leaves it lying around. It's always put back on the charger. You know, she she looks after it far better than she looks after like my iPad. Yeah. Like my iPad's <laughs> left lying around. But that's the thing. There's, there's such investment in them because yeah. they have worked hard. They know what it means and it's one of those life lessons things yeah. that 
that firstly, they can't just get everything they want. They have to work hard and save for it. But also then when you get something that takes that much effort to acquire, you really treasure it and you look after it. And I think that's great because so many kids get so much stuff and it just, it's like it rains toys or the toys come off the trees. They don't know where they come from. They just keep coming into the house. Why should they look after them? Because there will always be more coming, mm. you know, and they've not had to work hard to get them. So, yep. yeah, exactly. building that in is a good thing. Yep. We kind of went off track a bit then, didn't we? But that was fine. I was reminded of another thing that you told us about in our um, Raising Uncluttered Kids episode, which was the, and, and I hope we've got lots more listeners now that might not have listened to that episode, but the, was it the Tiny Tuttles toy shop? thing what was that maybe you can tell everyone about that because that's another way to motivate kids to declutter too yeah so we um cash motivated again there's my children (laughs) it's a genetic thing uh (laughs) they there was a school holidays we had a few friends coming over that had younger kids than us and I said to the kids if you can fill the table our dining room table with toys that you no longer want when all our friends come over for morning tea with their little girls we'll let them shop here and they can pick anything that they might like because their kids were just starting to get into barbies and so i think sienna was ready to let go of her barbie house and the barbie car and a few things like that and we said we'll put them all out here they don't have to take them but if um if you guys can fill the table and i can't remember now what the price was it was like 15 dollars each or something mm-hmm. if you guys can fill the table with toys and books that you no longer want and you're happy to let go, then I will pay you for them. So the friends came over, they took anything that they were interested in uh, and everything else went to charity. But the kids got paid regardless. And it was a really nice way because it took them a couple of days. They put it all out. They set it all up. So it looked a bit like a store. (laughs) They really enjoyed the Mm. process of it all. And then the other kids came and got to walk around and shop. I don't know that the mums were quite as happy (laughs) with me. Like, yeah, let your children come in and pick whatever they want to take home. Yeah, maybe warn Um, the parents first. Um, uh, Yeah. But but still, it's a good idea. Yeah, it's another, another way. And sometimes it's that's what it's about. Like instead of just sitting there with a garbage bag saying to your kids, throw some stuff out, you have to mm. get a bit creative. You re- If they get on board with the process, it is so much easier and will be so much easier going forward. Yeah, agree. So I think that that wraps up the decluttering side of things. And if anyone has got any specific questions, please email us or please put something on our in the Facebook community group so that we can answer you and we may be able to put it in a future episode as well. So next week we are going to talk about organising toys, so mostly on storage and categorising, and then we're also going to talk about maintenance, which I did hint at earlier in this episode of, you know, what we're going to talk about with maintaining that organised space once you've done the work of decluttering and organising it. So that is uh, coming up next week. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.